Hey friends, thanks for being here. I'm Lance Howard, your host and guide for the Wholehearted Leader. I truly am thankful that you take time to listen, subscribe, and share these episodes with people that you care about. I look forward to ongoing conversations with leaders, authors, and even to host real-time coaching conversations to help you have more peace, love, and freedom in what you're pursuing in life. Before I bring you today's conversation with Peter Ostopko of the Kinsman Journal, I want to make you aware about a special offer that Peter threw out today's listeners. Specifically, if you go to the website, kinsmanjournal.com, and pick up one or 10 of the Kinsman Journals and use the code LANTZ, L-A-N-T-Z, it is a buy one, get one offer. I'm indebted to Peter for offering what I would consider my first partnership on a podcast, Uh, but I truly, truly, deeply believe in the mission of what Peter is up to and the Kinsman Journals, the gatherings. Uh, The work is something that you're going to hear about in the days and decades to come. Peter is a first-class leader. He does everything with excellence, and he does it ultimately to glorify and honor God. His work is all about creating unique spaces for men to gather around meaningful conversations about faith, fatherhood, and work. And he has done that through the Kinsman Journal. It's a unique coffee table style book that will help curate meaningful discussions. And you will hear some of his heart behind the Kinsman Journal today. So I hope you will take him up on the offer. Go by and grab one or 10 of the Kinsman Journal and use Lance, L-A-N-T-Z, as you check out. If you've been around me for the last year, nine months, this is one of my favorite gifts to give. And so I hope you will take Peter up on this. And as we dive into today's conversation, if I can encourage you in any way on the journey that you're on, please reach out to me and ask Lance anything session for 15 minutes. I'd be honored to serve you in a meaningful coaching conversation to help you take your next step on the path of wholeheartedness. Now, here's today's conversation. I'm honored to have a great friend and great brother, uh, Peter Ostopko. Uh, We connected actually, Peter, almost, almost a year ago. I think it was more like nine months ago. And you were in a transitional season and you're like, raise your hand saying, hey, I'll, I'll do one of those uh, coaching podcasts. And so those of you that are listening, you can go back and listen to our, our podcast about that transitional space of discerning the Lord and when to really take Kinsman Journal full time. Yeah. Uh, and, and so since we talked then, Kinsman Journal has go, gone full time. Yeah. Uh, but Peter, I, I'm honored to, to be here today to record a conversation, uh, a, not a coaching conversation, but just to talk about you, this dream, this vision, uh, and really let the listeners know what the Kinsman Journal really is and what to anticipate and all the, the goodness and the richness that is coming. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm so privileged uh, to be here and just honored that you give me this platform just to encourage your audience and to have this dialogue. This is, this is special. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you listen, not saying that you do, you know, this question that's coming for the listeners that do know the question that's coming. um, What was the last date that you and Sarah went on and what does it reveal about your leadership? Yeah. The last date that we went on uh, was really not too long ago, uh, about two weeks or about a week and a half ago, we got to break away. Uh, we tried to break away at some point in the first couple weeks of each new year, uh, just to talk about the year ahead. And so uh, we were able to do that and just kind of lay out, you know, what we want to do with our family, with vacations and seeing her extended family and my family, uh, as well as, you know, trips we want to take on that we can, that we can make work. And so, uh, and this year is, is looking, uh, considerably different than previous years. And part of that is because I'm no longer in employed in the traditional sense. So I have more flexibility 
with regards to the time and the hours in which uh, I work. Not so much that I'm not working as much, if anything, I'm probably working more, but uh, just, you know, the whole, you know, I don't have to ask for PTO uh, and so scheduling. And so I can kind of, um, you know, log that together, but we like to get together uh, towards the beginning of the year and just talk about, you know, what do we, what do we want to do this year? What's something we really want to focus on? And, you know, that's what I love about January is it's just kind of this reorienting uh, of what's ahead, you know? And so uh, as a person who's very vision heavy, <clears throat> January is definitely a favorite month of mine. Seems the kids always get sick in January, which is always a bummer, but you're coming down from the momentum of, of, you know, the holidays, but, uh, but yeah, we were able to break away and, uh, you know, this is something, I mean, honestly, you know, talk about what does it mean for our leadership? I, I would say this, it, it's been a whole new dynamic in our marriage in recent weeks, in the last couple of months, uh, since I left the traditional bank. <clears throat> and that's because it's just, it's opened up a whole different dialogue with our marriage, our relationship, our finances, uh, comfort, expectation, dreams, all of these things. Uh, and yes, you know, we're very expected and anticipating uh, what's ahead, but at the same time, uh, it brings a level of uncertainty. Uh, and so, you know, there needs to be communication in that uncertainty. And, you know, what I could be certain of, or, you know, have big faith about, uh, my wife may have a different level of certainty or big faith about and vice versa. And so, you know, the way that you help mitigate that is to uh, just to have good open dialogue and conversation. So we've been having more of those lately, which has been really good. Love it. Love it. I'm I'm really curious. I don't, I haven't heard you really talk about the Enneagram. I don't know if you're an Enneagram fan, but if you are, would you share what you are and Sarah are and maybe what y'all have learned about each other? Yeah. So I, I took it a while back. I haven't taken it in a while and I'm, I'm a three wing two. So I'm an achiever. Okay. Um, I don't think Sarah's formally taken hers. Um, she's not, she probably needs to. Um, we've done some other ones, you know, like the Myers Briggs and some other things. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we are, we are definitely very compatible, uh, on some areas. She, I, she's taken the strengths finder, uh, and that's been a really good one for her. She's, she's the oldest. So she's very high in responsibility, empathy, uh, which can be a really good thing. And it can be a very difficult thing too, because you carry, you know, the weight of a lot of other people and being the oldest of her siblings and, uh, and all of that. But, uh, but yeah, we've been, we've been really good about keeping that communication open, better understanding one another, but it changes. It changes as your outside world changes, as your, you know, dynamics change in the house. We have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old and a 19 or 18 month old. So that changed uh, a dynamic quite a bit when we had him. And so, uh, so yeah, all those things uh, give reason to uh, revisit some of those uh, characteristics and some of those personality profiles because it changes. That's great. That's great. So after you and Sarah have had a great date night or possibly you just indulged a little bit more than um, what our physical body needs, what is your preferred style of staying physically well, working out, walking, running, exercising, eating, like share, share with us about that, that domain of life. Yeah. So I love to walk. I love to walk. Uh, I do like to do strength training. So I try to do strength training at least three times a week. Uh, I just go to the Y, you know, it's a big gym. It's a big facility. Uh, at some point I'd like to do a garage, uh, weight thing and I'm getting there. I'm slowly getting things out of our garage so I can convert that with time. But uh I certainly, you know, I do like to do weights a couple three times a week and then I just I really enjoy walking a lot. So we have this beautiful property uh here in the area called the the Nature Center and it's just a, you know, a two and a half mile trek uh that's just beautiful. And it's just literally right on the outskirt, right on town. So it's very convenient uh here in the area. So I'll go hit that usually I try to hit that at least once, twice. This is actually my favorite time of the year to walk is when it's cold because you can layer up and you don't have to worry about bugs and all that. Uh, so it's it's really, really nice. But I usually do that. My wife, Sarah, she's really diligent. She does a couple of different things here. You know, she's found a couple of different programs that she uses through like Amazon Prime and various things. And and again, because she's, you know, strengths, she's high responsibility. She gets it done. So <laughs> yeah, I'm super proud of her. She looks great. She actually, I think she she looks fantastic. So especially after having her third and yeah, so I'm a lucky man. That's great. We'll have to bookmark that and send this over to Sarah to let you know, give her a shout out. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, Peter, let's, let's get into your, your story, uh, the Kinsman journal and, and what time constraints would you have uh, around that? 
between launching something 18 months ago, the actual physical copy of this, uh, the discernment season, like let's, let's dive in to the story of all that. Cause I think it even started probably six, seven years ago now at this point. Yep. So, so share with us maybe the Genesis part of it. Maybe we'll pause uh, and just reflect with us uh, for those that are listening, especially as we record this on a seven degree day in January, uh, we're all talking about goals, right? Uh, and this has been a enduring goal that you have seen finally yeah. fully birthed at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So the Genesis would go, I tell people there's, you know, I used to say there's a five year and a 20 year story, but that, that story has emerged because I've been telling the story for a couple of years now. So I would say there's a, a seven year and then a 22 plus year story. Um, but really the Genesis really started seven years ago. I was traveling and I was in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, typically when I would travel, uh, I would usually find myself at the end of the day at either a bookshop or a coffee shop and just kind of unwind. And I was in the Barnes and Noble in Wichita and I was in the business section and picked up this book, uh, The Revenge of Analog, Real Things and Why They Matter. The cover really caught my eye. So I picked it up. And the whole book, the whole premise was really on this, this idea of like, you know, these industries that were essentially supposed to either die off or really just become non, you know, not really very important anymore because of the emergence of digital technology. Uh, or there was also some industries that would just be completely disrupted or transformed as a result of digital technology. And so two of the chapters in there uh, was centered on the subjects of print and paper. And I was just flipping through and those chapters caught my eye. And so I just kind of read the first, you know, few pages and I was just immediately immersed in this book. And so I purchased it and read it through over and over. And then, you know, once you read a book, typically if you're really drawn into it, you start finding that author and you listen to him or her on podcasts and you try to you know, learn more and more as to just why they wrote that book and just stories related to that specific book. And, um, you know, for me personally, those two chapters really uh, were very intriguing to me because growing up as a kid, you know, my parents were involved in the print world. They did a local printing magazine. Yeah. And so a community magazine, you know, it was, you know, menus and and some editorial and some some photos. And at that time, you didn't have MapQuest or Google Maps. So you printed maps and you didn't, you know, you, you, you listed everything out in print, you know, very analog. And uh, so I grew up around it. So I was always intrigued by it. And, uh, but when I picked up this book, it just, there was this, this sense of nostalgia that just completely immersed me. And, uh, but, you know, looking back now, I know for sure. I mean, it was, it was the curiosity uh, that led me to this and it was the guidance of the Holy Spirit that led me there. And, uh, and so I just kept leaning in to that curiosity. And so really for the next two plus years, so 2017 and 2018, in the first part of 2019, I just researched everything that was happening in the print world and the media landscape, men's ministry, if you will, and kind of just the fusion of these things together, because these were things that I was really interested in. At the time, I was, you know, a father of a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And so, you know, I'm just learning all of these things all over uh, or for the first time as a dad. And so being a parent, being a father was very, very important to me. Print, you know, was something that was very intriguing to me and just the entrepreneurial vein, you know, ran through my family tree. And so, you know, I had worked at, to that point and until just recently in the very traditional corporate world. And so that was always a niche that I wanted to scratch. And so uh, that journey started then. So really it was about 2019 that I really started to uh, finalize this idea that say, Hey, we're going to print a publication and it's going to be for men. Yeah. Share, share with us, because as you're talking about, you're gathering your research, um, and I think y'all posted this recently, who were the other works of art and creators out there that you were kind of like, well, we're, we're kind of this, we're kind of that, but we're not this. Uh, and, and maybe share more of like this research gathering phase of uh, people that are listening and, and how they go about discerning launching a dream. Yeah, this is a great question. I would just say this, you know, business 101 is if there's not a problem, you know, you can't manufacture a problem to solve, right? So there, there needs to be a pain point or a problem that the market has that is not being addressed with a solution, right? And for me personally, I, you know, it's just all the things that I wanted in 
visual, you know, edifying literature was just not there. And I, and I'm not like an overwhelming bookworm. I've I've developed a knack for reading. I really enjoy reading. I don't read as much as I would like to, primarily because I have three young kids and I'm exhausted at the end of the day. And so I'll pass <laughs> out, you know. But I've developed that discipline of reading more. Uh, I didn't even read books until I was, you know, past college, uh, and so okay. I just didn't. And so I've just developed uh, that over time. But you know, when I would go to Barnes and Noble or I would go to you know a bookstore and I would look at magazines because you know guys were very visual, right? Mm-hmm. And in a in an Instagram, you know, YouTube, just visual age that we find ourselves in, uh, images are very powerful. And so that's one of the things that I found is just books are wonderful, but they can be stale from most guys because you know, you just, the, the imagination can't always capture uh, what the words are telling you because you just, you don't have the time, uh, but an image can speak to you immediately. And so, you know, in the magazine section specifically, you know, there just wasn't much there that I was really drawn to. I mean, typically, you know, that, that, that industry that's, you know, it's sex power, you know, sex power money, you know, I mean, the original three problem, you know, areas for men in general, but like, so, you know, I mean, obviously there's magazines that are you know, that are driven by lust, that are driven by, you know, promiscuity. And there's magazines that are driven by, you know, success and and world and earthly material, um, you know, successes. And so, and then, you know, there's other stuff out there about some leadership stuff and and some various things. But, you know, when I was looking to shape and and create, I was like, there's nothing out there quite like it. And so, you know, coming from the business world and being a person who is, you know, driven by his faith uh, and a belief uh, in God, you know, I wanted something that was really, that was well done, that was excellent, that was edifying. It wasn't weird. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff out there that people just make right. it too religious uh, or overly spiritual. And I don't mean to say that in a condescending way. I, I genuinely right. don't. Um, but I just found that there wasn't anything out there uh, for someone like me. And I'm a unique person. I'm certainly, you know, I am my own person, but I thought, you know, I bet there's a lot of guys out there that would probably resonate with, with, with where I stand here. And so again, business 101, you know, if, if there's a gap in the market, go fill the gap. And so that's, that's essentially what we decided to do was I wasn't seeing what I was looking for. And so we just decided to go make it. Love it. Well, let's, uh, let's come up to present time, maybe the last 18 months of, of what the Kinsman journal is now and, and really what it's becoming. Um, Will you share with us the the time frame? I'm, I'm really curious. The time frame yeah. of putting that very first one together, uh, <laughs> yeah. because because you have <clears throat> you have paid and curated photographers, authors, and done due diligence to do something that is next level with excellence. Uh, how long does did that one take, and how long are you anticipating you know publication to actually take? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I'll just pick up on the timeline, you know, so in the summer of 2019, we really settled on, we're going to publish a journal. So I just built out, I mean, being a banker, I just built out a budget, you know, I get pitched ideas or I was pitched ideas all the time. And so I'm like, okay, well, I know pitches that I've received that I've given more consideration than others. And I'm like, this, this is never going to happen. Uh, and so I just used some of that wisdom and knowledge and experience and translated that to uh, creating really a budget. And one of the things that I read was a couple of different books on just the print industry, specifically launching a magazine or a publication. And one of the things that people said cripples the industry is, you know, people are always asking for favors, right? So, hey, man, can you just write this article for me and we'll give you a tweet or a post? And it's just it's just this transactional nature. And it's just like, we're just not going to do that. And so I built out a budget and it was about $125,000 to build this journal uh, to uh, compensate writers, photographers, um, an editor, help, help someone launch a website for me, all of these different things. And so this was really in the fall of 2019. And then in December of 2019, I just said, all right, Lord, I, this is this is yours. Like, this is yours. I, I, I don't have these funds to do this. Um, and I know that if you're in this, you're going to make this happen. And so I'll tell this one miracle story and then I'll, and I'll kind of uh, move along. But this very first seed is, I think just, it's so just, it's, um it's indicative of that, that God was in this and it continues to be. So 
it was January of, I should just back up. It was November, December of 2019. And there was this brand agency in town and they're actually a hospitality branding firm. And they just do exceptional work. And I've just loved what they do and how I even met them is a whole nother story. And I just said, hey guys, here's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm wanting to just launch like a, a, a voice, a publication, just this brand around these frames, uh, these lenses, if you will, faith, fatherhood, and work. Those are the three lenses by which we create our content and our conversation now. And I said, here's kind of what I'm wanting. And I wanted to take everything that was really in my head and just, you know, distill it down to something visual on paper that I could show people and talk to people about. And so they gave me just a, you know, a, a quote on what it would do to kind of build out a brand strategy you know, you know, of course the logo and colors and all those, you know, visual elements, but also to this, the ethos behind why we're doing what we're doing. And I remember that got that quote and the quote to do that was $10,000. And I said, I do not have $10,000 for this. Uh, and I said, Lord, all right, this is, this is part of it. If you want, if, if this is a view, um, make this happen. And I just prayed through it. And, uh, in January, I was in a loan committee meeting and I got a text from a friend of mine, um, his wife, and she said, hey, the Lord specifically put you and Sarah uh, on my mind today. I'm praying over you guys. And at that point, we had shared the vision loosely with probably about a handful of people. That's literally it. Just maybe a handful of couples, 10 people. And she goes, I'm just praying over specifically uh, you guys. And what do you need? What specifically do you need? And I said, well, we're looking to hire this branding agency and you know, we really feel like this is the next step for us. And they said, well, what's, you know, what specifically do you need? I said, well, you know, we're going to hire them. And she's like, Peter, how much does it cost? And I said, well, it's going to cost us right about 10,000 to do this and to do this well. And she goes, good. Well, the Lord told Jason and I just this morning to, were to give you guys $10,000 towards this endeavor. And, uh, at that point, I mean, I just said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this Lord. Like, let's go. <laughs> And it was just what I needed. And, you know, honestly, Lance, for the next, you know, two plus three, two plus three years, and even now, you know, it's just these, any time that I'm in a place where I'm depleted, that I'm discouraged, I'm like, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. Like the Lord just shows up and he just shows up with just such clear direction that keep going, keep going, keep going. And it's what it's done is it's created a, a reliance, a proper reliance and surrender in my heart to him. You know, the, the overwhelming majority of us men, especially, we just, you know, we think that we have to do it alone. We think that there's this idea, this illusion of a self-made man. There's no such thing. And I've just learned the more that I lean and surrender this, the more the, the Lord provides clarity and it just, and it builds my faith and I see him work tangibly Yes, in resource, but also in a variety of other different things. And I, I could tell you a hundred different stories like that of, of when I was depleted, how the Lord brought someone who said something that just what I needed to hear. Um, people that spoke over us in church, people that gave financially, people that reached out from across the world that found out about what we were doing. I mean, all of these little threads uh, or nuggets that God is threading together into the story uh, is really just beautiful. And, and, and it's just, in all of these things, when you, when you start seeing this happen over and over and over again, uh, it just, it, it presents quite a compelling case. And so I just said, yeah. okay, let's, let's just keep going. Let's just keep yeah. going. And so, yeah, we launched the journal. And so really all of 2019, or that was in 2019, the beginning of 2020, we got that funding 2020 hit. We started doing the branding. We started building out the journal at the end of 2020. We started sourcing some writing. We started building out what the essays were going to look like. In 2021, we started sourcing our photography. We started piecing it together. We got our creative team, our editing team. All these people are contract labor until honestly, and I can say this now, this is so fun. I just got paid for the very first time seven years later. I was a volunteer for seven <laughs> years into this organization. And uh, the Lord's so faithful. I mean, we needed every, we, we had everything that we needed. Uh, and so I didn't need to. And this wasn't like, hey, Peter's trying to make a, make a buck on the side thing. No, I was trying to build something. Um, but it, you know, it took a lot of time because I didn't want to sacrifice or compromise the relationship or the time with my kids or with my family. So, you know, a lot of this stuff was done before they woke up or after they went to bed it was done. I would take some holidays here and there or some PTO, but I never worked on Saturday mornings or on the weekends or anything like that. I mean, I was very careful. And so it just, it took time for this to happen, but that time was perfect. It was a gift because it allowed 
the vision to really unfold and allowed the Lord to really do a work in me. I mean, there was a ton of work that he was doing in me that I needed that I continue to need. Um, and so, you know, we finalized the journal in the end of 2021, sent it to the printer, printed it in 2022, had a launch event, printed 2000 copies, gave away about half of those strategically sold out this past summer. Uh, just really have been doing all of this in the margins of life. Haven't really done much marketing or promoting. Haven't really had time to do any of that, but we wanted to put out, you know, essentially like a minimum viable product to say, okay, right. is this resonating? Do you guys like this? And it's just been fascinating. I mean, just the the receptivity uh, of where it's landed, it's really landed, especially with the business marketplace, man. Um, and I think it's because that's the world that I come from. And so, uh, and so we speak that language. And so that's why guys, I think are resonating there. Yeah. And you have just shared a masterclass on setting a vision and doing the disciplined work of staying the course. Like, right. I, I was just thinking about in, in our culture, our instant society, right. We're, you know, once again, it's January. Everybody wants a quick fix. We want to reach the goal by three months, six months. Uh, but as our mutual friend and uh, Morgan Snyder even writes in the journal that that we live in the day, but we measure in the decade, right? And and so many men are, are floating around with what you've described is an absence of vision, but yet God downloaded a vision upon your life. And ultimately you've just said, I'm going to put my hand to the plow and I'm going to walk faithfully one step at a time. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that, that's just very unique. Um, and for anybody listening there, there's so much to take from your approach to building something uh, that's, that truly will outlive your legacy, Lord willing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's, let's come up to, to current times roughly and got the, the journal launched. It's been out about 18 months. We connected, you know, nine, 10 months ago. Uh, where are you at today? Uh, what, what is, what is God doing in and through you? I, I know some of those stories and, and we can kind of bounce off each other, but, yeah. uh, yeah, share, share with us what's, what's going on. Yeah. So we launched the journal in the March of 2022, you know, and the one question that I knew I was going to have to answer was what does community look like? Right. Because even though, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it was a publication, it's a journal, you know, it's very high premium. You know, we use the, the one of the foremost best printers in all of North America. It's called Hemlock out of Canada. And they were great to work with. Actually, on our second print run, we weren't able to work with them just because the cost was just astronomical. Uh, and I'll get into that a little bit more, especially on the binding process uh, for you print nerds out there. But nonetheless, one of the questions we knew we were going to have to answer was, well, what does community look like? And just like, you know, just like the research phase of the first couple of years, you know, I did not want to create something that already existed. You know, I, I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing, not because that's wrong, but I'm like, I mean, I mean, honestly, Lance, I didn't want to take away from what other guys are doing and they're doing it well. Like, I don't need to come out and just be like, oh, well, I got a better thing and I'm going to compete with that. Like, that is not like, that is not, I don't believe that's a biblical model. I think it's a selfish model. And I think what happens when we do that we fall to the place of scarcity rather than abundance. And I want to see flourishing on, on all sides of this. Right. And so I just said, I'm not going to do what others are doing. Cause I don't want to compete and try to, you know, do something that people are going to feel inferior by. Now, if that happens naturally, there's nothing you can do about that, but I'm getting to why I'm saying all this is, you know, I didn't want to create like a mastermind or like an online group or something like that. Um, I think there certainly is a place for those things. I think just for what we were doing, it just didn't feel right. And so I just, you know, again, going back to what, what really is community, what is true community and, and technology has certainly given us the ability to connect in ways we couldn't before. I mean, you know, you and I right now are having this conversation. We can see one another. It has enhanced the traditional phone call. But the face-to-face -face proximity experience uh, simply cannot be replicated. Wow. And I said, okay, well, the community that I want to create uh, or re at least um, curate and try to facilitate and create and inspire is one of proximity. And so we decided to say, hey, we're going to launch uh, Kinsman Table. And Table is going to be, it's going to be an invite-only gathering of men. And it's not going to be for everybody. Not that I don't want everybody there. 
but it's invite only. And, and I built out a list of about 125 men and that list has grown by more than two times now. Um, and there's a whole lot more that I could add to that, but, um, I wanted to just build out a list of different men from our community that live, you know, predominantly in the 417 or in this region. Um, and guys that we drive the same roads, we have the same weather patterns. We, uh, our kids go to similar schools. You know, we shop at the same grocery stores. There's a sense. Will, of, you, will you, will you pause for a moment? Uh, yeah. and just share, I know where you live, but the, yeah. for the listeners, where are you? Yeah, I'm in Springfield, Missouri, or I live just south of Springfield, Missouri. So in Southwest okay. Missouri. Yeah. yeah. So in uh, the heart of flyover country. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we, you know, I, I just wanted to create something, you know, where I was, cause that's where I've always felt community is best is just where you are. And so what we did is we just said, okay, we're going to, we're going to rent this really beautiful space. It's called Ozark mill. It was built by Johnny Morris, the founder of uh, Bass Pro. And we're so fortunate that he's headquartered here. And so he's built this or he's renovated this historic mill that's 150 years old and it's absolutely stunning. And uh, so we filled it, you know, we had a hundred guys uh, and there was a lot of guys that weren't on the list that wanted to be on the list. And I wanted them to be on the list, but you know, there's something about uh, a sense of, uh, you know, it, we can't, it's not for everybody, you know, and it's not like leaving people out, but we wanted to create an experience that was really special. And so there's a cost attributed to that. And so we just kind of approached it all very, very differently. And I sat down with a gentleman, this, you know, this is the next part of just the miracle God story is like, you know, we're a month and a half away from this event. And I sent out the first round of emails that I sent out were, I think there was probably about a hundred. And I basically just wrote a very compelling email to say, listen, we need to be unified in Christ uh, as followers of Jesus. We live in this community. We may think differently on some things, uh, but we need to gather. We need to break bread together. We need to sing a song together. We need to be reminded of what we have in one another in this community. And so I built out a list and, you know, that list, uh, was built over 15, 20 years of me being in the business community. I don't, I, I recognize that it's not like, Hey, I just sent these random emails. I've been nurturing and sowing seed into relationships, uh, for the benefit of others, not for myself for 15, 20 plus years. And that's why we got the response that we did. Uh, and so I sent hundred emails out. I received 82 RSVPs within a week. And I said, wow. Oh boy we're onto something here. And, you know, we're not talking like, I mean, we're talking very successful people, um, right. people who own and lead extraordinary companies, but also people who, you know, lead our managers or are people that also, you know, are just really, really good people in our community. And this wasn't necessarily a gathering of the elite or anything like that. And we had some people that are hourly workers. Um, and so there's a good diverse group, but just a lot of successful people that usually get asked to be a part of everything. And anyways, I knew we were onto something. And so, uh, that first gathering was really, really special. I mean, we had a couple of speakers, um, but there wasn't an ask, you know, there wasn't a, you know, a bait and switch. It was literally just come and be come receive. Uh, it was a wonderful food, great environment. We honored men. We gave gifts. It was just a beautiful setting. And, and I had multiple guys. I had nine guys, nine guys. I think I shared this in a video that we recorded came up to me that night like on the verge of tears, some of them in tears saying, I didn't know how much I needed this. Yeah. And, you know, I had one guy say, he goes, I always dreamt that church could look differently for me as a man. He goes, this is everything I've ever wanted it to be. I had a guy who's a dentist. He probably makes half a million dollars a year or more. And I only know that because I used to, you know, do finances for, for dentists when I was in banking and I saw their numbers and these guys make good money and gals too. Right. And he comes up to me, and he's like in tears. He's like, I, I have to leave early. I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. He's like, it's my daughter's birthday. And he's like holding back tears. He goes, the Lord told me I needed to read more. And you'd given me three books tonight. He goes, I just, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, bud, you, you can buy any book you want. What are you talking about? And I'm like, it's not about the book. It was about seeing this man for who he was, not for what he does or what he produces or what he creates. And I just knew this is, this is something special. And I knew, and I know to this point, you know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. It's not just putting guys in a room, but it was something really, really special. And I, again, we were scratching an itch that, I mean, I, I, I just said, you know, I've been a part of chamber of commerce events. I've been a part of networking events. I've been a part of happy hour events, even though I don't drink, but I would have to show up to them. Um, I'll have an occasional drink here and there, but nothing. And 
I've been a part of men's breakfasts and men's ministries and conferences and, and all of these things. And I'm just like, yeah. how can we fuse the good and all of these things and make it something very, very special? And that's what these nights are. And so we're doing these. And so let me get back to this part real quick and I'll move forward. Um, so we're like, you know, a month and a half out. And I sit down with this local businessman. I said, listen, here's what it's going to cost to put this on. I don't want to charge a dollar for this. I want, I want these men to just come and there's no agenda for them other than to just come and receive. I want to pour into these men. And I said, here's what it's going to cost. I said, and he's like, well, what do you need? I said, well, I need a sponsor. He's like, are you going to get multiple? I said, no, I really would like to just have one. And here's the amount that I need. So I learned in my boldness to ask, right? And he goes, <laughs> all right, I can do that. Sweet. And so I was already making, you know, commitments or promises because I just knew that God was going to provide. I knew it. And I wasn't doing anything just for my own benefit. I was doing something to serve and to honor and to pour out into others. So I was like, Lord, I know you're going to show up here because this is of you. And he did. And and he wrote the check and and we were able to cover all of it. And it's, you know, and I, I've shared that story and I've shared the amount with some people that are in the ministry space. And they're like, you, you spent that much money on just a hundred guys. I'm like, that's the whole reason why you guys are missing the point right now. Yeah. Because like, it's just like, sometimes you just have to lavishly roll out hospitality for yeah. no other reason other than just to remind people of how good God is and how much we need one another. And that's what these table events are. And so we have them every three months now where we are. Our next one is at the end of February. We're launching into some other markets this year in 2024, which is really right. exciting. I will tell you one of the hardest things is, um, you know, knowing when to say yes and knowing when to say no on these. Because my heart is to do as many as I can and to do bigger, larger ones here, you know, but that's not the formula. Yeah. And yeah. and that's okay. And, uh, and so we're navigating that in 2024, but they are a great, um, platform for us to just share the story of Kinsman, but also just to be generous as well. And so, so yeah, we did one in Northwest Arkansas, uh, in, uh, in late September, uh, we're going to be doing another one of those. Those guys are like, Hey, we want to do another one. I said, let's do it. Um, we're doing one in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, and we're looking at a couple other markets possibly in the latter part of 2024 that would really serve as just an opportunity for us to meet some new audiences. And, uh, one of those would be, uh, in the Texas area, possibly too, because right. there's there's a lot of people down there we're connected with, and then possibly one over in Tennessee and maybe up north and some other areas. But it's very very exciting. Yeah, it's really really neat. But what yeah. we've done, I think, with the with the the table, and then also with the podcast, you know, we gave. Here's the other thing, like you know, you buy a book and then you have to pay separate for the audio book, right? Yeah. So we publish this journal and we're giving all of the audio away. It's just it's just a different business paradigm. <laughs> so I understand yeah, it's different. Yeah. And if you're launching a business, like I'm not saying do everything that I'm doing, but I do think though, there's something to say for you have got to go against the grain. What are you doing to stand out and be different? And if you lead with hospitality and generosity, and if you lead with, you know, there's some great books out there. The go-giver series is a great one of just, yeah. you know, just serving and leaving, leading and loving people where they are for who they are. Um, people just, people recognize that type of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So yeah, so I'm excited. Peter, who who modeled this idea of radical hospitality in your life? Because right, you come from a corporate world, from a banking world, very transaction. Uh, and just the the short season I've known you, being in the room with you, like right, all these businessmen, this marketplace men are are living in a transactional culture. Who who modeled this for you that, that you said, you know what, that, that person is different. Uh, and and I, I want to, I want to be different. Okay. My response to this is probably going to be what some people would expect, but uh, let me unpack it. Um, this is what we are called to as Christians, Lance. Even when you ask that question, I started to get emotional because like, like this is the generosity of God, right? You know, the whole the whole foundation of the Christian faith is lavish hospitality. It's receiving what we don't deserve in our response to that, right? Um, so yeah, the canned answer is yes, it was modeled by Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, just in the business, I mean, I've seen it in pockets, you know, I've, I've, I've you know, I mean, people have been generous to Sarah and I and you know, people have given to this vision, um, even before we had a donor where they would receive a tax deduction, you know? And so, um, so that, that there's certainly examples there. 
but uh, I just, I've come across this idea over and over and over again. And I'm like, how do we make Jesus known in our life? How do we make Jesus known in our work? Um, the principles of the Bible and what we see in scripture is really, it's very radical. And I'm not saying you need to give away everything and do this or do that. Um, but I will say this, you simply cannot outgive God. It is impossible. And the more that you are generous in your life and the way that you are with your time, with your resource, with the love that you share with others, with the way that you serve people, you just simply like you will be on the receiving end for, for years and decades and lifetimes to come because of what you sow. And so, you know, scripture is pretty clear about that. And so, you know, I'm, there's probably books out there of people that have done it. I, I've read some here and there and, and this and that, but I, again, I just, you know, I, I, I'm a glass half full. I'm a very optimistic kind of person. And I just, and I just said, I just want to pour into people. I, I just, yeah. I want to remind them, uh, especially men, these type of men that we're trying to reach that, um, that God is good, that he is yeah. faithful, that he is just, that he redeems and he fixes broken things. And I'm the, on the receiving end of that, of God's grace. And, and, and what is my response to that? I can't live just a very basic life. I, when, when you, when you, when you come across the gospels, when you come across the story that you read, like it, it changes you. I mean, scripture tells us it's, it's, you are a new person, a new creation. Do we believe that? Do we live that way? And, uh, and I've just taken that very literally, I think. And in some ways, people just don't get it. They're like, I don't really understand what you're doing. Like, even, even after our first table event, I, I, one of the guys that spoke that night was just, he's just a mentor of mine. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. He, uh, he's an owner, a part owner in like 50 companies, including a chairman, CEO of a multi billion dollar bank. And, and um, we're out for breakfast the following morning. He goes, You know, you could, you could really, like, you could do like a franchise thing out of this. You know, he was thinking entrepreneurially and I'm like, I totally get what he was saying. And, and yes, but like, there's something, there's something within me. It's just like, there is a favor and there is just a, there is a blessing on these gatherings and on what we're doing. And, um, and God has just called us to just a, a heightened level of generosity uh, that doesn't really make sense to be honest. And um and there's, there's, listen, there's fleshly challenges that come with that. I'm not going to lie. You know, I've told the Lord, I said, listen, Lord, I, if you could just give me three months at a time, if you could just give me a three month roadmap uh, or, or roadway so that I can provide for the things that I need. And, you know, that's not always going to be the case. I'm hoping for a year or two years or five years as we build this organization. But, you know, I think God calls different people to different things. And I think I, I've just, uh, I'm on the receiving end of so much grace. And uh, because of that, this is just the response that, that, that I'm living. So yeah. I hope that yeah. answers your question. It's a very non-traditional no. answer. <laughs> well, but, but the truth be told, once you, once you get rid of the pretentious spirit, the religious spirit of, of following Jesus, right. And you encounter this transformational grace. I don't think it is a can't answer, but I, I just think, Unfortunately, like we in our cultures and our churches, we don't experience it in the ways that you're you're talking about. And and I'm going to highlight one little aspect and, and jump into a specific question. Um, I think it's in Rich Living Simple Life, Bob Lodick's, I'm going to mess up his name, book. He talks about never suppress a generous thought. Like God, God downloads generous thoughts upon your life. Like, as you said, both time, money, but how often do these thoughts come through our mind and our flesh is just like pulling against us, you know, because oh, yeah. it's like, it's like, Oh, Oh man, I don't, I don't really want to, you know, do this or do that or give that because it requires some level of sacrifice of time or money. Uh, but my wife and I in general, we, we kind of keep bringing that principle to mind and it transforms the way in which you live open-handedly of, yes. of attempting to never suppress a generous thought and trusting God uh, will, will reward your obedience in that, which brings me to your point that 
you know, up to this point, you haven't received a salary. You know, we're, we're seven years into this journey. Uh, and when I was in the room at the Kinsman Table event in Springfield, uh, you're sharing the, the next layer, the next season of what Kinsman looks like. And you've, you've been out, it's like, hey, this is, I'm doing this full time. And there's a man uh, that basically says, hey, like, hey, we got you. We got you. Will you, will you share like the tension, the anxiety that possibly you were facing and Sarah were facing and just like, like, is this really going to work? Like share, share a little bit of that, that heart of like, of the anxiety, but also in that moment of when he kind of was like got behind you and 120 men in the room that night, uh, we're, we're ready to go. Yeah. Well, let me say this. You said, uh, tension that you guys were facing and then anxiety. Um, I would probably have to change that to are facing because it doesn't go away. Cause like you just yeah. said, you know, the, the, the battle within the tension of the flesh is always there, yeah. you know, working in banking and, and, you know, uh, being around people that own companies, bought businesses, you know, had, you know, significant net worths real estate and various things. It's very easy to get caught up and be like, okay, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to do that thing. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong right. with that. But for me personally, uh, that was just not the path the Lord set us on, at least not in this period of time in my life. And so I think this is, this is, this is one of the most difficult things that we wrestle with is this idea of surrender and obedience. And it looks differently for all of us. You know, the, the obedience and the surrender from my family, Lance, is different than yours, and it's different than the listeners. But I would say without question, you, you, like you said, you posture your heart, your hands open, hands open. Lord, what do we do here? He, he's going to give you a vision. He's going to give you clarity. He's going to give you direction. Um, and it's not going to be safe in the traditional sense. It's not going to be um, calculated. Sometimes. You know, and I know scripture says without vision, people perish. Yes, there's scripture to, to support and justify anything that we want to do if we pick it out and choose. But if you look at the greater narrative and story in scripture from beginning to end, uh, I think it really is more about a chosen people uh, surrendered and obedient to a holy, righteous God. And he invites us to partake in what he's doing. And so... When we left, when I left my job in October, you know, we had some people that said, Hey, we believe in what you're doing and we want to support it. We didn't know exactly what that looked like, but I was at attention, um, where it just, the, the requests, the doors that were opening were becoming so frequent uh, things that I had to say yes to. I just, I, I was at a crossroads where I just, I, I couldn't be at the bank in the traditional sense. I didn't have time. They, they needed someone that had the commitment at the level that they needed. And I wanted to honor my employer. And so when I submitted my resignation, I, I didn't, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have backing. We had some people that had mentioned that they wanted to support. And I said, okay. But part of me was like, the Lord was like, I've given you enough. Do you really trust me in this? That was my story. That was our story. That's not everybody's story. So I'm not saying just go leave and, and just, that's not for everybody, but it was for us. And, and how I knew that I needed to move forward was my wife came to me. This is another important component. You don't, you don't make decisions like this without, without your spouse. And my wife came to me, it was after a service on Sunday and we were sitting in the front room, our kids are outside. And she goes, I need to tell you something. She's just like, I want you to know that I'm behind you. She goes, I believe in you. I believe in this. I believe in where the Lord is taking us. And I'm giving up what I thought this was going to look like. Because, you know, I think the other thing about this is like, yeah, my name's on the journal. But this is our, this is our story together for Sarah and I. And she's giving up and she's sacrificing just like I am. This isn't just me. But also there's, there's, there's such gifts and there's such beauty in the sacrifice. You know, we think sacrifice is like this difficult, enduring thing, right? But it, it opens up greater intimacy with, with each other and with the Lord. But when we made the step, when we made this decision, I knew that I couldn't do it without her, without her support. 
So that was a cataclysmic moment. And then I was dragging my feet for about a couple of months. She goes, have you told the bank yet? I said, no. She's like, you need to do that. So then she was the one who was pushing me. And uh, so then I submitted, you know, a six week plan. And, you know, they were like, are you sure you want to do this? People are like, what are you doing? But it was really neat. I had a few people come into my office and they're like, I'm just so excited for you. Like you're going after your dream. You're going after it. And like, it was amazing to me, the look that I saw in people's faces as if they felt in, enslaved by just feeling like they have to do this set life before them. And, you know, I just said, you know what, here's what I know is that me in that traditional role wasn't working anymore. And that's the way I'm approaching this right now. Like right now, like the, the way that we, we have an ebb and flow as the organization, there's weeks where, you know, I have 60 hours worth of work that I have to get done. There's some weeks where it dies down where it's like, okay, I can have a lot more flexibility here. There's kind of an ebb and flow because we have some seasonality to, you know, the journal itself and events and various things. But I knew that in that traditional role wasn't going to work anymore. And so we left. And so we had some savings set aside that we could live off of. Um, we pulled out sacrificially to live off some, some funds. And then I remember we were out at Thanksgiving um, visiting family. We hadn't received anything big yet. And, uh, and just, there was a little bit of tension that was starting to build, you know, and there was people that had said, we're going to give. And, you know, obviously a lot of people do at the end of the year and we formalized our 501c3 and, and all those different things earlier in the year. And then we received that first check that was pretty substantial. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, you're so good. You are in this. And so it's just this, it's as if like the Lord's like, hey, I'm going to give you just enough so that you're reminded of the source of where this is coming from. Right. And, uh, you know, all of the systems in our culture are designed for us to be efficient, you know, to be independent. And it's like, that is in stark contrast to the story of scripture and who we are to be in surrender and dependency on God. We are to abide in him, which is this idea of constantly independency of God. <laughs> so it's like, uh, uh, uh. you know, there's nothing wrong with retirement. There's nothing wrong with assets. I mean, those are all great things. God uses them for extraordinary purposes and everybody has a place. And again, in the story that God is writing, uh, but for our story, Sarah and I, it's, it's, it's what it's become more and more is just story of hope. I mean, just yesterday, Sarah, you know, took our son to basketball practice and she ran into one of uh, my son's former teachers at his school, public school. And we just moved him into a classical school, but and she had like a 45 minute conversation with her and she goes, I'm just so inspired by what you and Peter are doing. Like it's given me hope. It's given me belief. And I think people are looking for that. You know, people are looking for tangible reminders of what it means to have faith in this world. And, you know, when you go back to scripture, I was reading this in Exodus and Moses, you know, he leads the Israelites out of the promised land, you know, and they're a forgetful people. I mean, they're just I mean, they're a constant pain in the butt, right? And Moses is like, okay, just come on now, stick with me. And God's like, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a, an incredible story in Exodus. But when he says, put this in an earthenware jar after he provides the manna, it's a tangible reminder of God's faithfulness. And it's like people want and they need to see tangible reminders of God's faithfulness. And I think we do that when we tell stories about God's faithfulness. And I think that's our great opportunity that we have is that, you know, we're a people of hope and people are looking for hope. They're looking for, for, they want to believe, um, and in the right things. And I think as ambassadors of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we have an extraordinary opportunity to do that. Uh, if we would just open our lips and, uh, and yeah. do that, we can do yeah. it well. Yeah. Thank you. So, so good. So here we are at the, the beginning of 2024. Uh, Kinsman Journal is, uh, as we said at the, the beginning before we actually started the recording process, you just printed the hardback edition yep. of uh, the first journal. Where, where are you at? Um, what's next? Where can people find you? Uh, man, and, and for people listening, I mean, as soon as you go to the website, you're, you're going to know what Peter is doing stands apart. Uh, and as soon as you re receive one of these in the mail, you're going to definitely know that it stands apart. Uh, but just share with us uh, where you're at, what the hardback is coming yeah. and what's, what's going on. Yeah. So we just did a, uh, 
a uh, revised volume one. <clears throat> we made a couple stylistic changes and, and actually we did a, a, a somewhat of a call to action uh, at the very, very end um, that we changed a little bit, very minimal. It's not a huge. And then we put up this really powerful quote at the very beginning by the late Tim Keller. And I'll quote it. He said, you know, in a modern day, in a modern world, we don't need one gospel presentation. We need 3000 different ways to make the gospel good news. And that's good news for all of us. And what that means for us is God can and wants to use your business, your relationship with your spouse, the way that you parent, the way that you serve, the way that you coach, the way that you volunteer. He uses all of those things uh, if we surrender them to him. And so we reprinted the volume or volume one. It's a actual coffee table book. That was probably the most frequent feedback we got is like, man, if you ever do a hardcover. And we found a printer actually right here in Missouri, oh, wow. a printer that specializes in yearbook printing. And uh, it's very, very hard. Like all printing is done overseas or a lot of printing is done overseas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, I understand there's cost advantages to that, but I did not want to do that. I wanted to print it uh, here in, the, in North America, preferably in the, in the States if we could, just because there's communication and just, you know, there's just supply and demand and you just, you can control the outcomes a lot easier. So we found a printer and they primarily do, you know, your books for thousands of schools across the country. And so they do all of the binding in house. So we actually did what's called a Smythe zone, which is actually, there's a thread that's woven between the signatures, which are the pages. And so it's, it's binded together through a thread and then glued. And so it's, you know, if you still have your yearbook from high school, it speaks on its own. These things last for 20, <laughs> 25, 30 years. And so that's what this is. It's, it's a premium coffee table book is what it is because people are putting it in their, you know, they're putting it in their lobbies. They're putting it in their offices. They're giving it to board members. They're giving it to their managers. They're giving it to their neighbors. They're, you know, in the journal itself, the physical journal has really just taken on a life of its own. And so we've, we're building out our distribution. Uh, we're doing a non, a very non-traditional distribution model. And so of the 5,000 that we've printed, we've printed that we're going to strategically gift a considerable amount of those because we would just want to get them in the hands of people, because this is what we found. And we've really fine tuned this in the last few months is we curate deep conversations for men. I think people have been so turned off by the, the, the message of the church and the gospels because we focused on how to like what people should be thinking, what they should do, telling them what they should be. And I think what we need to do is invite them into the story of scripture. And that's when the Holy Spirit can move and work and, and challenge and convict and all of that. And so we see, we see our organization with the journal, the podcast, these gatherings as curation of conversation. And so that's really what the journal is. And so we've, we've built this um, accompanying study guide that we're actually going to put on the site. It'll be a downloadable thing that people can download it. So if people are using it in a group setting, they can use it. Um, if they just want to go through, I, I found if you ask the right question or two or three, you can get some pretty good conversation going. Um, but guys, what guys do not want is a curriculum with 400 questions that they have to answer. You answer one or two, or ask one or two good questions. You can't get them to stop talking for a few hours. And that's really what this is. It's, it's designed for that. It's just designed for conversation. It's not a theological position, uh, but it is perspectives around dozens of different um, subjects, you know, subjects of, we've talked about surrender. We've talked about a little bit of identity. You know, I said faith, fatherhood, and work, but under those, you know, there's, there's these sub um, themes and headings. And so there's just some really great content in there. And you know what, if you don't like to read, then you can just look at the pictures and you'll be encouraged by those too. So, <laughs> but I will say as far as like, um, we're getting ready to relaunch. So we're getting ready to put on the site again, to sell those. We're going to start shipping those out late February. I don't know when this is going to be, uh, aired, but, uh, and we're making it a gifting experience. Uh, so it'll come in a really neat custom packaging, uh, with some, you know, immediate takeaway things that you can do practically that come with it, uh, that I think you'll just, if you're gifting it for someone, I think you'll be really, really impressed whoever receives it. And if it's just for yourself, I think you'll just be really, really encouraged. It'll be something that I think you'll hold on to for a very, very long time. hundred, hundred percent. And on the gift, right? When we connected the first time, did a coaching conversation, uh, you sent me one and that one multiplied into, I got to get a box of these. And it's like literally my favorite gift to give clients yeah. and, and friends in the season of life, because it, it, 
it really does set a part uh, of what what is happening in our culture. Everything's so instant. So just, man, super props to you. Uh, I'm one of your biggest fans. I'm I'm pumped for what a decade looks like uh, from now. Uh, And for everybody listening, uh, go, if you're like, man, I can't wait to get my own or whatever, uh, just go and subscribe to the podcast. The podcast, our first class as well. So uh, Peter, man, just just props to you and uh, helping us to know what, what it looks like to be a wholehearted man in, in today's culture and uh, leading and loving well. And clearly those comes with our own fleshly challenges and obstacles. Uh, but you've also shared today just uh, what it looks like to have character and endurance and patience uh, that ultimately points to the hope of glory of Christ. Uh, so just thank right. you for, for what you and Sarah are doing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And let me just say this for you. I, you know, I, I just appreciate you showing up. You know, when I sent that uh, uh, invitation for you to come to the table, I'm so glad you came. You yeah. know, I I received an email from a gentleman um, about a month after that, and I'm going to quote it. I think in a uh, into an email that I send out. If people want to get connected with us too, a great way is I send out a thing called letters. It's my version of a blog. Um, we'll do one or two a month. And this guy wrote this email. It was written by this gentleman back in the 1940s, and it had to do with this this idea of like if you were to gather men around these things. They'll come from miles and miles away. And I thought of you and I've gotten emails from guys that are like, we want to bring a group, but like, we can't sign up online. When can we do that? And it's like, I get it. I totally get it. So we're working on some stuff to do some things around that, but I was just so glad you came and you just showed up and and were able to experience that. Uh, I was so blessed by your being there. So thank you for coming.